Welcome to What is Goat? My name is John Seven Napolo. I'm here as always with my co-host, Jamie Fry. Yo, what up? <laughs> we have a very special guest today. Uh, you may know him as a singer-songwriter, performs as Labrador, or as a writer and editor over at Metro New York, Pat King. Welcome to Goat. Pleasure to be Welcome here, Welcome to Goat. That's not the name of this, uh, this podcast. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to, to What is Goat? goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Um... Now you suggested today's topic, holy. This was <laughs> this came out of left field. And uh you said you wanted to do Tool, which is very appropriate. Yeah, man. Um so this is a band that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Um as kind of an angsty kid growing up, I felt like some of their records really blew my mind as probably many people of our age group uh, yeah, and and kind of like when, you know, it was announced that this new record was coming out last last month, um, and all their stuff was available on Spotify. I just went full tool and uh, <laughs> had to had to dive in. So yeah, I was like, when you guys were asking for a topic, this was like the only thing on my mind at that point. So I figured it'd be a divisive one and like a good one to talk about for sure. Yeah. So the new album came out a couple of weeks ago. First album, 13 years, right? Eight? They've been quiet yeah. for this whole decade, basically. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I know I know it came out in college, and that was one, like, when I, when I was in college, and, and that was one I just completely, you know, I think I was, like, out of that phase of being into that band, so, like, just completely ignored for some reason. So, uh, Tool haven't had a record since uh, 2005, and they have a humongous cult audience that has been anxiously awaiting a new tool record and this record is huge i think it went to the top of the charts uh, immediately because this band tool has they're they're just a humongous cult (laughs) of their fans and they also cultivate a cult-like uh persona with their um their singer maynard james keenan who we could call one of the most baffling figures in the history of rock. I have never quite understood what he's about, <laughs> what he sings about, and more so why. Right. So this, uh, like you say, there. this is an interesting situation because there is a cult-like aspect to Tool, but they are also a successful arena rock band in the most mainstream sense of the word. And oftentimes... I find before we even record these episodes, I'm corrected preemptively. Sometimes after we do the episodes, my wife grew up uh, most of her childhood in Pennsylvania and she's, I can check in with her for what real America thinks about these things from us coastal elites. And when I said, I said, Oh, well we're doing, uh, we're doing some episodes uh, today. And I was like, Oh, like one, it's like a little more obscure. We're doing tool. And she's like, Tool or not obscure. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, she was like, every bro I went to high school with loved Tool, listened to it in the locker room. I was like, oh, well, what do I know? Here I am thinking that they're so like outsider, but apparently they're not. Yeah, I, I think that's something that's really interesting about them. I, I think when I was in high school, the record that really got me was Anima, like, which is kind of regarded as like their big, you know, masterpiece. It's this like huge journey of a record. And, um, and, you know, I held it up to, like, really high regard. What, like, grabbed you the first time you, you heard Tool? What made you know, <laughs> like, I'm into this? Well, I grew up in upstate New York. Um, the town I grew up in had one traffic light. I grew up on a farm. And uh, so, like, I'd, 
like to go to shows or to really kind of be in touch with like underground music at that time was kind of hard for me. Like I would have to, you know, really put in some effort. Like I would have to like drive like an hour to go to a show and, um, it had, you know, the show had to mean something, you know, like if I were to like put in the time to go do it. So like a lot of it was, you know, finding out about bands through like hard rock radio or something, or just like, like alt rock radio. And, and I think, uh, I think the first time I ever heard them was, uh, 46 and two, the song on Anima. And then they just had like all of those like crazy claymation music videos on MTV. And like, I just remember being like totally transfixed by the whole vibe and, you know, listening back now, I was so surprised at how much I was proven right, you know, <laughs> like in a way, like, like when I listen to them now, like I don't hear the goofy kind of things that you associate with them. Like I think, like I don't think of like a muscular arena rock band. Like I was so struck by how much I kind of equate them to like, like King, like if King Crimson was on touch and go records or something like that. King that Crimson kind of- is definitely like the sort of point I think of, of influence when right. I hear a tool. That's what comes through the most when I hear it. And there's also this like proggy element. I feel almost like translates to the fan base. Like you're saying high school. I remember we were in high school. I was not into tool, but like you knew who was into tool in the way you knew like who was into the dead right. or Pink yeah. Floyd. It was like there, it was like a roving group of children at a certain point in the hallway. And you're like, Oh, those are the kids who are like into this thing. Yeah. I associate tool with a group of kids in high school that were like far more brave about experimenting with drugs and like LSD <laughs> right. and mushrooms <laughs> and also were really into like reading like Albert Camus <laughs> and then also like maybe like Hunter S. Thompson, like yeah. getting into sort of um, that kind of um, the seedier elements of counterculture mm-hmm. um, and also philosophy and like thinking they were really deep and like someone cornering you and presenting with you with some sort of philosophical argument about meaninglessness of existence or something like that, (laughs) you know, like, like tool sort of have an existential bend about them. I guess they're kind of like Spencer's gifts personified. You know, like (laughs) it's like, it's like, um, you know, those like acid trip posters that you look at, like they're, they're totally that like, like, and, and I think there's a good parallel between, you know, them and the dead in a way, because, I don't know. Have you ever seen any of like the Grateful Dead documentaries or anything like that? Like the long, strange trip, like on Amazon. So there's a real turning point in the dead's career where in the eighties, where it's like touch of gray and it's like, they become this big bloated beast beyond their control. And it's everyone in the dead. Like what's the guy's name? Mickey Hart. Yeah. 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 But like they, they talk about just like hating their fan base Mm -hmm. so much because it's this huge thing. That's like not about the music. And I think Maynard has like gone on record saying the similar things, mm. you know, like that, you know, they don't like being associated with metal. Like they mm. don't like new metal. Like, and, and that's kind of like the fan base that, you know, they're known for. But Jamie, would you say that you are a Tool fan or at any point were a Tool fan? Oh, I was a Tool fan. I think when I was discovering sort of the godheads of alternative rock in the late 90s and early 2000s, I definitely. I had Anima and I liked it. I might have even had Undertow also. I bought Lateralis when it came out and I remember the day it came out because Weezer's Green Album came out also. Man. 
Yeah. And I was trying to decide <laughs> if I should buy from like Sam Goody, the Green Album or Lateralis. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I was like, maybe I'm going to try Lateralis. <laughs> and I brought it home and I was like, I'm pretty bored by this. <laughs> this is like a really long, spacey thing. And I was like, I don't know if this is my thing. And then that same year, they came to the garden and a bunch of my friends were going to see Tool. And I got a ticket to see Tool because I thought it would be really great. I feel like when you're a kid and you're getting into stuff, you're so inclined to be like, that was great. Mm -hmm. Right. You want to have this experience. You're going to a concert. We into the garden and they come out and kind of play nothing <laughs> for a long time. And there's a lot of lights and they fill the whole garden with smoke, you know, and people are smoking pot also, but they have like, you know, really intense fog machines to the point where like Driving. the band is totally obscured. Mm -hmm. Maynard was performing behind the rest of the group. Yeah. And at a certain point, you're kind of like, oh, are they going to play a rocker at all? And they don't. <laughs> and then something happened that I think absolutely shifted my opinion on this band. And this is the following. <laughs> and after about an hour and a half of, of their set where I really, I really don't think they played any hits whatsoever. They played like the slowest material from Lateralis for a very long time. And then they did a thing where they had aerial gymnasts what? lowered <laughs> from the roof of Madison Square Garden. And these particular gymnasts were contouring themselves in a way folded in half they were basically like walking like ass up with their feet, like head and, and hands as their feet. So they were like <laughs> these sort of upside down people, gymnasts. I think it was around that time the concert was like, it is possible that this is fucking stupid. I was like, maybe <laughs> it's stupid and I don't like this. Then at the end, they played 46 and 2, which I really wanted to hear. And maybe one or two other songs for people to indulge their crowd after making them sit through ostensibly two hours of nonsense. <laughs> and then afterwards we're, I'm walking to my friends like, that was cool. That was fun. And they like get on the train. I'm like, wait, did that suck? Did I just like pay $60 to see a, a concert in Madison square garden? And it sucked. Is that possible? Like sometimes you go to a rock show and it's day. And then over time I processed that. I was like, they suck. <laughs> I was like, they, they're not a good band. Maynard is an asshole. He doesn't go entertain his fans. He like stands in the back and barely sings. Maybe if I was like an older person who had the capacity to like acquire like mushrooms or LSD, <laughs> even their art kind of is something that I probably thought was cool at a certain point. I was like, Oh yeah, this is interesting. And now I'm like, this is the most ghost shit I've ever seen. I just got put off really bad. Right. I love the song Anima. I love the song 46 and two. There's definitely rock. I like when they rock, like they're definitely effectively like a heavy rock band that you can bang your head to. But if I had to summate in like a word, what do I hate about tool is that they are one of the most pseudo intellectual bands <laughs> right. in the history of rock and roll. And the idea that you can kind of like lord over this philosophical, um, band or like on, on your fans be like, oh, I'm so smarter than you, like blah, blah, blah. And then it's actually like, it's kind of a dumb band. Yeah, I think you were onto something too. I liked your analogy about Spencer's gifts. Like that's dead on. It's like, it is more a poster than it is 
a, a masterpiece. You know, it is style over substance to some degree. I think everyone at the time I was getting into them was more into like the people that would be into them were like into like corn and the right. biscuit and stuff. But I think at the time when I was getting into them, I was getting into bands like like Portishead and Bjork. I was like obsessed with Bjork and like really trying to wrap my mind around like Pink Floyd. So like that, I really think it's commendable that they like want to be an art rock band mm -hmm. and like really pull it off in a lot of ways. But and here's the difference because I think that's, you're dead on in terms of what they're attempting, but I think they fall short because all those other bands you mentioned, love them or hate them. There is a sort of depth and intensity and beauty that is apparent from the beginning. Anybody who let, you know, people say, you know, Oh, Bjork's an acquired taste cause of her voice or Portis head. Maybe like it can be a little jarring to people, but it is something instantly beautiful and something that you feel like oh there's so much to dig into here and a lot of tool is just like repetition as form yeah you know? but, but but isn't that like i don't know like I, I i think that there's something great like i love listening to the band itself like i love i love how like their records like there's such like a maximalist band mm -hmm. but they're recorded so minimally like mm -hmm. like Every time Adam Jones takes a solo, like there's no guitar behind it. Mm -hmm, it's it's yeah. just bass and drums. And like, you know, for these meandering um orchestrations and like these like drawn out songs, like it's it's just four guys. They really stretch their limits. And like and I I I was talking to a friend recently, like it's it's really cool to hate on Tool. Like that <laughs> like that band. But like when you really break down the elements around Tool, like they kind of sound like there's there's a little Fugazi in their DNA. Like their first record, Undertow, just yeah, yeah. just just kind of sounds like kind of sounds like the first Danzig solo records, like a little bit. Like it, it's like really dry production. They came out in like, this age, like there's a sort of wave of heavy music mm -hmm. where the goal was to be as dry as humanly yeah. possible. Yeah. Like in the helmet, yes, sort right. of yes. Uh, air, area where it's like we're gonna give you heavy guitars, but we're gonna give you none of that arena bombast mm -hmm. right. or like the jesus lizard that's yeah no, totally and tool definitely came out of that but they their aspiration went big to the yeah, point where right. they actually like they bloated up a record from undertow to anima right. to lateralis you see a band and the sort of ego of the band blow up so much and then again to the point where they're like comfortable putting a lot of time of audio that is nothing. Right? Yeah, they, they are not record. shy about the CD bloat. Yeah. You know, like they, they go up to like 75, 80 minutes. You know, the like, new record is over an hour long. Yeah. And even the first two tracks take forever can to I, pick up. Can I tell you, I was listening to it the other day. I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to the new record. <laughs> I was at work. You got to live it, man. I was listening to the record and I said, oh, okay, like... I think I've listened to the whole thing now. I looked down. I had only gotten four songs in. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I saw that the full runtime is like an hour and 40 minutes. And I was like, I'm never going to finish this. Like, this is longer than most movies. That's insane. And like, also, it's what, like eight songs? Yeah. It's not like a double album I, I or think, something. Isn't it like nine? Like the digital is nine. Oh, There's like an Jesus. extra track. But that's yeah, a was, lot for me, man. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine 
the day before it came out, oh, I'm like really excited tomorrow. I'm like going to go on a long run and listen to the Tool record. And he was like, yeah, man, feature length. <laughs> it's like a feature length <laughs> record. <laughs> and, you know, I don't mind a long song. I like, you know, nine, ten minutes, great. But like more often than not, if you listen to a rock song that's ten minutes, it, I think you've mentioned this in the past too, it's basically like the Stairway to Heaven form. Multiple movements, right. maybe a change in time signature, a change in dynamics. Tool songs are one thing for 10 minutes, basically. Or they do the thing where it's like they play one riff for three minutes on guitars. Then they play that same riff on a keyboard for three minutes. And then they go back to the guitar thing for the last three minutes. And That's then, and of then the, Maynard starts singing <laughs> yeah, about how he's Jesus and also how Jesus is crap. Oh, man. You're talking about eulogy? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, think, I, I think there's... Uh, one one thing that I think that they do probably better than anyone, and you guys probably disagree with me, is they they are one of the best bands at creating tension and like mm. doing like a final like release. Like the song, did you did you get a chance to listen to like Anima? Like have you I did. I listen to the older stuff. Yeah. Like um like the song Push It. Mm. I think it's just like a masterclass in that. And the like early I was, stuff, I was yeah. surprised because I missed. I think the first time I really knew anything about Tool was probably Lateralis because right. that was such a big record. Um, but I didn't know the early stuff and I leading up to this, I went back and I hear exactly what you guys are talking about. I would have never even guessed that was tool. If I listened to these two and you didn't tell yeah. me it was tool, it sounds nothing like these last couple of records. Yeah. There's nothing proggy about it. It's it. You're right. It's very, it has that like Chicago sound. It made me think of shellac a lot. Who's yeah. a band I love. It was very like grinding and I dug it. The songs weren't that long either. A lot of them were kind of, and the ones that were, they, there was more meat to them. There were choruses. There was more interplay between the instruments. I I'm not a prog person. I don't really like prog. I'm also not, I don't know much about metal. So like the the way they move away from this sort of more gutsy, experimental punk kind of stuff and moving into more prog and metal, by the time it gets to this new record, the thing that I kept thinking with this new record is like, this is sort of like the least accessible parts of stoner rock it right. has that mm -hmm. repetition but it also doesn't like put you in the sort of like trance-like state you might from listening to a band like sleep or something right there's definitely that sabbath worship like sure. in some of the early stuff yeah but um yeah like i i was thinking to myself and i'm glad you brought up the jesus lizard because you know, so much of like the bass tone sounds reminds me of Jesus Lizard. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was thinking to myself, like, there are so many cases like where, <laughs> and this is going to sound maybe elitist, but are probably, I mean, this is, you know, we're talking about Tool here, but um, <laughs> I think it's funny that people will worship the Jesus Lizard or like think bands like Shellac or the Jesus Lizard are, are these great bands. And then it's cool to like not like Tool, mm -hmm. like without even like questioning it. Yeah, that's a paradigm that I don't like in the the music critical opinion where right. like I'm an insider and then you're like one thing is cool because it lives on in obscurity. Yeah. And then the other thing is lame because we heard it when we were kids on the radio. I think that's a dumb paradigm. Yeah. A big example for me is like um like I don't see why Teenage Fan Club is better than Matthew Sweet. Like I, I think, like I think Matthew Ooh, Sweet that sounds like a new episode. <laughs> like, like, like I think Matthew Sweet, pound for pound, like those three records that he did are just as good, if not better, than Bandwagon esque thirteen. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like, something we could argue about. But yeah, yeah but, right? here, but but no, here I think there's a difference, and I think your analogy is fair because those two acts sound very similar. Yeah. Now right. I don't agree that the difference is a sort of critical elitism between something like Tool and between. 
Jesus Lizard or Steve Albini bands or whatever, because I think the biggest, I, I think at their core, they're completely opposite, even though aesthetically they're similar. The difference is, as you said, Tool can be defined by how bloated it can feel. Now, if you're a fan, you wouldn't say bloated. You'd say expansive or, you know, uh, you know, immersive. But basically... They take their time, right. dude. Shellac or the Jesus Lizard, that's all killer, no filler. Those are tight, two and three minute songs, completely to the point. And they remove anything that could even be seen as, you know, auxiliary. And that's a big, big difference between these two bands. Right, right. Well, I think you touched on something that we can really hate about, too. I think there's, like, <laughs> this is 2019, and a lot has changed in the modern conversation since, you know, we were kids, and this, you know, we had to assess this or whatever. Right. But to me, Tool, even their name, I read the Wikipedia, uh, we all probably read this Wikipedia, <laughs> but there's a really good quote from Maynard as to why they're called Tool. It's like, yeah, we're called Tool. It's like a big fucking dick that you should ram through and do whatever you want with it. It's like, this is not a 2019 philosophy. <laughs> yeah. And something about the artistic direction that they went in is like exactly like the things that made some of our, our favorite classic rock bands become kind of despicable, which is like, their There's, iconography is the worst. Yes. Like they have like the worst <laughs> yeah. artwork on their records. Like I think like their claymation videos are cool. I like some of their music videos. Like they, they just put a bunch up on YouTube and I watched them this morning and like, was like, Oh man, hell yeah. And it really took me back. But, but yeah, you're totally right. Like there is like this, juvenile thing about tool like and their their sense of humor is like so dumb it's also but. just like like male bullshit right like let's just call yeah. it here and they definitely have female fans they're such a big band that their fans probably cross like whatever demographic however the attitude to me is like a know-it-all white male who is Pushy about their agenda. Che Guevara t-shirt. You know. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yes. <laughs> but this is a gripe I brought up when we were talking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is there's something that rubs me the wrong way about bands that get held up as being so clever, as being really high-minded, as bringing in deep philosophy when... It's what you're saying. It's like a dude talking about his dick or like the Red Chili Peppers, like every song is about like how freaky they are. It's like, this is not rocket science, guys. And that's okay. If we're honest about it, it's like, fuck it. I, as you often say, Jamie, maybe it's just that they rock, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe. And that's fine. If you like them because they rock, great. If you like them because the guitars are cool and, and, and convoluted, cool. But like, it's weird to me to act like these guys are fucking geniuses, you know? Well, this right. is a band where, like, you know, on their best record, they have, like, Hooker with a Penis and, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Stink Fist. Right. And in a way, it's like, I guess they were, like, it's the type of thing where it's, like, they probably felt subversive. And then their audience, on a commercial level, I think that at that time especially, like, in, the, like, 90s Tool right. was, like, coming at a time where being crass was sort of like celebrated as like a fringe thing. Like even Green Day, they cursed in their song. The mainstream was sort of making room for some kind of filthy stuff. Marilyn Manson, obviously, that's like a a good peer and Nine Inch sure. Nails. And right, like, right. you know, so it's like 
they're like kids watching MTV, watching something fucking filthy. <laughs> Tool are like, who we're so bad. We right. say all this yeah. shit in the songs, you know. And these are like adult men. It's like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, this is kind of fun. And now you're an adult, you're like, what? You know, do you really want to sell a 13 year old like a fucking album that just like yeah. Has all, and and moreover. These are just, they put, just put disgusting titles on songs that are not about anything. Yeah. The and and the song stink fist. I was listening today, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and we're the, all the, saying the phrase stink fest. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, on but, this but, fucking podcast. No, but, like, but the uh, the hook, he he says, turn around and take my hand. You know, it's an endearing chorus, but like when you put stink fist, it's just like about fisting now. Right. Yeah, and, and also on Anima, there's like on the CD, like there's a secret track that was like the 69th track on the oh, album yeah. or right. something. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's something I loved in high school. Like, oh, the two albums. Yeah, yeah. Tra- you're like going, it's the track 69. So these are adult men doing, I mean, they're <laughs> Probably younger than us These now, adult men. but still, <laughs> like, right. like, let's say you're, you know, it's like you got a band and you, you make it, you get signed, you the first record does okay, you got a second record, and yeah. they're like, what should we do? It's like, oh well, obviously we have to put a secret track on fucking track sixty nine, <laughs> right? Because this is what we should do with our platform. It's that kind of arrogance that is just right. like the white male stupidity that we're literally battling as a culture. <laughs> it's funny because that time is like that was probably like. Tool would be considered like subversive band that may be somehow affiliated with a leftist agenda. And now I think Tool seem conservative to me. Right. Honestly. Yeah. Like, like, like alt-right Genesis or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alt-right Genesis. Like, like, <laughs> like homophobic change addiction. <laughs> James Addiction that are straight, straight militant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this Alex Jones guy. <laughs> are they into Alex Jones? <laughs> yeah. Are they flat well, earthers? <laughs> well, 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 it's funny because like on Anima, you know, I guess Maynard James Keenan was, uh, if I'm, if I use his whole formal name, uh, was buds with Bill Hicks yeah, like, yeah. before he died. And like, um, you know, in with like the best show, um, not the best show, uh, you know, Mr. Show crew. Yeah. And like, uh, I think that's like where Pussifer started. Like, it was kind of like a band that would play like these comedy showcases. But so like he was, he was buds with like David Cross and, and, you know, and Bob Odenkirk and Bill Hicks. You'd think that he'd be like this high-minded kind of cool person, but it does come off that way. Yeah. Pussifer, a band that if you think Tool is unlistenable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are, they are rough. I feel like each iteration of Tool is like more unlistenable than yeah. the last. Like like Tool I don't like, but I can appreciate. They they do a lot of interesting things. Then it's like if you want to take Tool and take all the experimental and interesting parts of it out, you can have a perfect circle. Right. And then if you want to go even further into boredom, then you have Pusifer. <laughs> yes. I liked a perfect circle. I yes. th- I thought I thought a perfect circle was like at least the first record. I thought it was like um a less mean, depressing, like like dark tool, and I kind of liked it. it yeah, they're it like. Out. I think Three Libras is definitely the best thing Maynard ever did. Wow. Like that's like a really beautiful oh song that he sings. I can't believe I'm like still, gonna go to bed for yeah. Tool no, now. No, I still love <laughs> I bet that, that plays song. at weddings. <laughs> I still, yeah, I bet, yeah. I would, I would play it. You know, <laughs> I love string, that song. A string quartet playing yeah. Three Libras. No, that's something I like because another gripe against Tool, and like when you're in the moment where you want to like bang your head and hear something heavy. They are able to indulge that. I you could at least make a mixtape of like the, you know, 10 least boring tool songs that rock. And that would, that would be effective 
But like on an artistic level, let's say you're a visual artist. They play only in black and gray. They don't, there's no interjection of like mm-hmm, any sure. sort of emotions. Like you were saying, there's yeah. no like beauty right. or joy or loveliness or anything like that. Yeah. Any of the things that like would, would cut the fat of just such a dark, disturbing, uh, hopeless worldview that they present with their music see i i disagree with that i think i think they're really... when is it fun and nice tell me <laughs> I, I, I i i don't think they're a fun band <laughs> i think they're really and i i just like maynard's voice like a song i mentioned before push it i remember being in high school and fast forwarding to that like final crescendo and just being like so enamored by his voice i was kind of like this couldn't have like hit me in a better moment because i've been like getting into uh, you know, like Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, you know, those kind of like big Genesis records where it's like a lot of these parts where it's like kind of tension and like singing mm-hmm. pretty and then like going into these like prog exercises. And I think I think Tool does that. Like I think they kind of like nail it, kind of like balancing the beauty and the heavy. I think, I think they make you work really hard for it if you get yeah. it at all. Right, right. And I think that's what they want. Yeah. Yeah, it's very arrogant the way they treat <laughs> yeah. their audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it or not, A Perfect Circle definitely were like a move in the direction of mainstream rock radio. It was like, those are tight three and four minute rock songs, hooky choruses. Not punishing. Not punishing, not experimental, not proggy. And that's a choice. But I think it also undercuts Maynard's argument when you have a band and you set out to do something and then you start getting the finger pointed at you for being the reason for a lot of shitty music, you try to distance yourself from that. Yeah. And that can, there's an argument to be made if that's fair or unfair. But I think Maynard's sitting back and going like, oh, all this new metal, blah, blah. Like, again, putting himself above all this other stuff. It's undercut because he starts a band like Perfect Circle who, let's be real, are not so different than a band like Chevelle or Hoobastank or Incubus. It fits. You heard those songs right alongside each other in the days of, uh, you know, rock radio. Yeah, but I I guess to counterpoint that argument, you can blame Maynard's singing style for a band like Chevelle, but does that mean he should stop singing? Absolutely not. No, I (laughs) I don't think so, but I think it's... Typically, I think when a band feels that way, they make a hard left turn. And Tool did some of that. I mean, Tool's albums get weirder, so they are trying to distance themselves from that. But I think he's also trying to cash in. I think he's also saying like, well, I mean, if if I'm the reason a lot of this garbage exists, maybe I should just kind of like drop down to their level and see if I can get a little of this cash. Tool are an absolutely capitalist band. They're like the same (laughs) as Kiss. I don't think there's any element of this group that, it has distance from that. Like the tool tool. If you think about it, tool didn't make any music for 13 years and sold a hundred billion t-shirts in that time. They're one of these bands that like exists on the cushion of a humongous fan base that mm-hmm. loves spending money on tool. When tool play live, people camp out for fucking days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they have obsessive fans. If tool came out, in 1984 and 1994, Tool would be a hair metal band. What makes you say that? Their songs aren't particularly poppy. No, not to say yeah. that they're not. No, but they're not to say that they're not creative. I'm saying like they were existing in the scheme of heavy bands at that time. So you feel like they're kind of more a product of their time than they are like pushing that? 
forward. I don't think I don't think that they're like an artistic band in the way where you're like coming up with a new device I, for making music. Well, I, I really I, don't think so. I disagree though because like Maynard is like a hair metal singer. He just he thinks he's like a brilliant artist. And he's a lot closer to Brett Michaels than that, in my opinion. He's like a long-haired guy with a nice voice who owns a vineyard. Right, right. And likes to take his shirt off and um, or cultivates... Or wear like a SWAT uniform. Or... Yeah, he, just, he cultivates like a sort of ridiculous cult of personality around himself. I think he does like the Peter Gabriel thing, though. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think like, I, I kind of appreciate that, like his live performance is like this weird thing, you know, just this, like this weird, like nymph behind the drum kit kind of like mm-hmm. doing like dressing up like a sunflower or a big, like a big baby or something. Uh, <laughs> like, ugh, I hate this. I hate the idea of this. <laughs> when they started tool, the biggest bands in the world were like Metallica, Nirvana and Soundgarden. You know, they were going, and then also Nine Snails were getting big. Right. Jade's Addiction were big. They, The touchstones were there. They're ambitious on one level and really unambitious on a different level. Because, like, as much as, as, much as they, like, want to be expressive and difficult and challenging, to me, in a lot of ways, they're a bunch of fucking metal guys wagging their dicks around <laughs> on record but but are you saying that metal isn't ambitious no metal, metal can be extremely ambitious i'm saying they went for the prize at the time it's like we should be audacious we should talk about sex we should use drop detuning we should use sabbath riffs we should have a guy with long hair who's skinny who takes his shirt off <laughs> that's what that's why i'm making this hair metal comparison yeah i yeah. mean even a group like alice in chains resembled a hair metal band before they went mm-hmm. grunge. Because, or Pearl Jam. Yeah, Pearl mm-hmm. Jam too. Yeah. yeah, Mother Love Bone is like a grunge band that reads like a hair metal band. Yeah. They're very similar to Guns N' Roses in a way, you know. Pat, you made the Genesis comparison, which makes a lot of sense. So Tool are maybe taking from that playbook a little bit in terms of that wild stage show, the sort of visual cues. I always wonder when we talk about bands like this that have this big presence or like a serious sort of art direction behind them. Genesis, I think you could say if you'd never seen them before, or if maybe they did a show that was like acoustic say, and they were dressed in their street clothes, you could hear those songs and you'd still know, wow, this is like strange music. This is proggy. This is experimental. Now, if it wasn't for all the window dressing with tool, would you really have that argument of like, I wonder if it's more about, well, you know, there are these strange cover pieces on their albums, or he dresses in these insane outfits. If you just heard these songs, would you have the same idea about this band? I think I would, because I I think um I spent most of my life as a as a Tool fan, uh, not knowing what they looked like, and I I still have never seen them. So, you know, I, I think it was pretty rare to find you know, like bootleg VHSs of them playing live or, you know, like seeing clips, like they were so secretive that way. And uh, yeah, like I I think I was just kind of sucked into that. There's such a unique band in the universe, like the kind of, um, the kind of like universe they create as musically as a band, like I think is very mysterious and kind of like weird. And I, and I get why people like, you know, dive right in just solely on the music, but it's similar to like how if you take away like the balloons 
and like the the people wearing animal costumes at a Flaming Lips show, mm-hmm. like there's still a psychedelic band. Yeah, you know, like I Fair. I think it's I think it's pretty the same with Tool. I think it's also interesting because you mentioned Marilyn Manson, and especially with all the sexual stuff, like you were mentioning before, there's a <laughs> there's a similarity there, right? Yeah. But here's the big difference. I think Marilyn Manson is honest, and I think Tool are intentionally letting things be obscure. Marilyn Manson is being shocking and disgusting, and that's the thing entirely. That's the point. Whereas Marilyn Manson would never say, like, I am, you know, some experimental genius. His whole thing is, like, I am a piece of shit. I am disgusting. Have you ever been at a party and then someone starts talking about philosophy and you, like, (laughs) don't want to have this conversation, and all of a sudden you're being baited into talking about something you don't want to talk about and like i think a jello biafra is very guilty of this too sure yeah yeah (laughs) i think that music should have to work hard for that Mm -hmm. and they're like this is it so i I recently saw bjork at the shed and like she kind of like did you guys see that like the utopia show no she just kind of like transformed like the entire space and like was really kind of like hands-on with you know, everything, like even like the seating, like you would hear things like from behind you and like, you know, people were like walking down the aisles. Like that was like a part of the show. My dream tool concert would be like in a small theater and like kind of like have them in complete control. Not this like stadium, like, like, like you could just like leave your seat and go get a hot dog kind of thing. And you know, if they did something like that, it would make me change my mind in terms of, of the, of what I think is honest and dishonest. Like, that's the perfect example. Like, Bjork is not attempting to be interesting. She's actually doing something interesting. Right, right. Something you haven't seen before. Something that is a new experience for you. And I think with Tool, they are, like, just barely attempting that. It's like, oh, well, we'll have, like, contortionists, which, like, okay, that's more weird than not having contortionists, but I've seen that at lots of shows. Jane's Addiction do that. Tons of bands do things like that. Whereas, like, what you just described at the Bjork show... I've never experienced anything like that. She actually took the time to say, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and not appear odd and interesting, but actually make each person have an interesting experience. Right. So A, they're not filthy like Gigi Allen. (laughs) And B, they're not as like in your face theatrically like Gibby Haynes and the Mm butthole surfers. So it's like that. They're like stuck in the middle somewhere. Right, right. Like you can't see anything about the butthole service without being like, holy shit. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You could watch Tool like you're saying and be like, this is boring. Maybe I should leave. You well, know? There, there are certain intangibles that make good art and bad art. You know, like if you want to talk about music and like you said, they are an art rock band. They do execute conceptual elements in the band. They're not a meat and potatoes band, right. even though I think they actually are. And I think they're better. <laughs> yeah. Than that yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that like they were definitely never a punk, yeah. but they had a little bit of that attitude. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like Rollins band and like Danzig. Sure. Kind of. yeah, like absolutely, that, that like yeah. riffy and, yeah. he, and Rollins is on undertow. Like yeah, he does yeah. like that. Like it makes sense to these people. Rollins is also, I love Henry Rollins, but this guy beats you to death. With <laughs> philosophical ideas. Yeah, right, so right. it makes total sense that these people would, being a, a crew together and the heavy fans don't care about this as much. Right. And I actually like heavy. I, I think metal fans are probably the best fans in music because they see a thing for what it is. Metal fans want to bang their head and kind of just like get loose because they just want to exercise that like loud, heavy music when done correctly 
is a thrill like a fucking roller coaster. Right. Tool put so much nonsense in between their fans and that. <laughs> right. I don't like I, to use bro as a characteristic is like you know it's like overdone. Yeah. But there was a lot of fucking bros. At the I, fucking I know what tool. you mean. Bros love Tool. But, but tool is good music to lift weights to. I think you were saying before. It's like I, I think like, like, right in in Diana's high school yeah. locker room like, athletes are like, hey, the fucking... They're like, you know, pumping iron, but getting ripped, you know? But I love that... I love that tightrope they walk. Like, I love that it's like... Like, it's like weightlifting music, but it's also like... It's like sitting alone in your room and crying music. You know, it's it's kind of amazing that a band this weird that they're this wildly popular and like no, and, that, something else. and and that sure. they, they can go away for 13 years and then like have a 10 minute song mm-hmm. crack the billboard charts you know like, i think that's the best part of their legacy probably i mean even yeah. like as somebody who does not like to listen to tool i'm really glad they exist i think it's important that they're out there because any band like that like the fact that when we were kids there was a song like schism and that was the most popular rock song of that year it's so long. It's so weird. And it was as big a hit as anything I by Green Day. <laughs> that song Schism was played every hour on the hour. And it's eight minutes long. Yeah. And to me, that song represented as a teenager such a profound bummer <laughs> that I heard this over and over again. It's like you're getting bummed out all the fucking time and it's like i really liked the song in the beginning in fact i think the strength of the single was so strong that i bought lateralis mm-hmm. which just shows the music industry like doing it what it does correctly yeah, using yeah. a single to sell a teenager a record it worked because i loved it when i heard it but the more i heard this like looping thing i was just like remember just feeling so profoundly like bombed and be like i don't want to hear this anymore i was like can they play something new on the radio Please, please, please. And then I stopped listening to the radio. I, uh, and that was the end of the radio for me, I, pretty much. I had a friend in college, anytime he would pick up like anyone's like acoustic guitar that was lying around, he would just play the riff to Schism. <laughs> <laughs> just as a joke. It's it's funny like how huge their records are, like how many copies they sell. This year, I think two rock records like enter the top 40 charts like with very aggressively. And one was this new Tool record and the other one was Slipknot. Yeah. So it's 2019, and two of the most b- bizarre groups in the history of the world. <laughs> these these bands are so popular; they sell so many records on a numeric level. They just like wield a humongous amount of weight. Mm-hmm. These bands are unlistenable to most people, right? <laughs> including well, some of the people in this room. Well, what's what's crazy about that too is like, like I think we're kind of like the age that we're at. Like I don't know about you guys, but like. Like all EDM just sounds the same to me. Mm-hmm. And like, and I, you know, I, I think I read something where like someone was describing Skrillex as like, like this generation's sex pistols. That like, <laughs> oh that God. like, because, because their parents just have no way in. Yeah. You yeah. know, like they can't understand it like on a musical level. And uh, like, I think there's something cool about that. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's cool to like, to live, like to be a music fan and then realize when, like you're too old to understand something. Yeah, yeah. Th- I mean that. Yeah. That's my opinion. A lot is that, um, something will happen, and it's like, well, do you like it or hate it? It's like, well, I don't even, I can't even qualify an opinion on this. But most of this stuff is much like compared to the weird stuff from when we were kids. I feel like the things now that are baffling are baffling on a capitalistic level, like that, like. They're weird, but it's it's like what's weird is that they're selling something to not you. 
So you have no entry and they don't want you to have an entry in a way because you're sort of either at an age or at just a cultural standpoint. They're not, they don't want us to buy EDM records. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you guys like guitars and like songwriting. It's like, well, fuck you. Here's something completely different. And we don't care what you think about it. There's no outsider art anymore, really. Everyone is inside the system. Because Slipknot are from Iowa. They grew completely, you know what I mean? Well, and also because the internet exists now. So everyone's together all the time. Everyone's on SoundCloud. It's not, you don't need any other in. But, But it's funny, like, you know, this kind of argument that it's like a capitalist thing punk is such like hypocritical like genre in that way because like i feel like in a lot of cases like rich kids records get heard yeah and 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 also like you know like the discord scene is like washington dc like most of them are like politicians kids you know and stuff yeah yeah and and and, i just mean mostly that rap music pop music it was like the like the 90s early 2000 that generation really was about like the outsider i think that's like a sort of a dated argument for stuff now because everyone's got their consumer group. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It is so easy to locate your consumer group. Mm-hmm. And SoundCloud is just such a direct way. Like the the sellout argument. I don't think that young people give a fuck about yeah, that. Yeah, right. They do not care about that at all. Because they're like, yeah, I want likes. The name of the game is like, be look at me. So it's a brand. So, so then something like Tool, where they're like, we're going to like literally obscure our own agenda. Or like with Slipknot, we're going to put on masks and we're going to like make something that like purposefully alienates people. I don't think that convers that's a really different conversation that like really is, is so almost stuck in that era. And especially for bands like Slipknot, I feel like they became so popular that like, and, and tool too. It's like, Oh, you're going to start a new metal band and you're not going to wear a costume. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about how many records Tool sells, I think what makes that even more incredible is that they will go away for 13 years or go away for six or seven years. Almost every other band has to stay in the light somehow in order to sell records. Even if they don't have a new one, they have to tour. They have to do press. It's very rare that a band can just completely drop off for a decade and and still sell records and still be part of the public consciousness. And I think that makes them unique in a way that bands were unique in the 60s and 70s. Because that's also what makes me think of something like Pink Floyd or The Dead. When we were in high school, Tool put out one record. But it doesn't matter because <laughs> because someone's older brother is going to tell their younger brother to listen to Anima, whatever. And then that one's going to tell their cousin. And all these things are going to occur while Tool has not put out a record. You know, like 13 years is a long yeah. time. And during that time, it's not that there's radio silence. During that time, it's that people are passing on Tool to their younger friends and so on and so forth. And that's, a, that's something that really doesn't happen with bands anymore. It's something that happened... More when you think of like someone like that almost famous thing of like the cool older sister leaving her yeah. records in the closet for you, you know. Yeah, those are drugs exist, so people are gonna need <laughs> right. music right. to do drugs too. And I think then, you said as long you know, as I think you said as long as drugs exist, people will be playing Led Zeppelin for like their yeah. younger siblings. Yeah, I think this is one of the few bands that is from our generation. You're right; that's always gonna fit into that exact same. Mold. I also I also think you know if you take I mean certainly like people you know, drug people love tool, but yeah, I, I think the time away makes people, makes people really appreciate their records. Like, I, I think they're, they are these things 
like there's such big documents that people have to like sift through mm-hmm. and like I, I think people appreciate it more as time goes by. And I, I think, you know, we were talking about Fear Inoculum and I think I've listened to it twice all the way through and I still don't have an opinion. It's like five hours. When you're like a legacy band, not doing something is like usually a cool move. In my opinion, Jane's Addiction are just so much better band than Tool. They do, they do the things that Tool do better in a more fun, pleasing way. However, when they reemerge, they often detract from their legacy sure. by doing something a little compromised. Whereas Tool just made you wait yeah. a really long time. One of the rare instances where there's any sense of like mystery left in a, in a popular group on a on a selling records level, they really created a plane where they could like have a humongous comeback record. <laughs> yeah, Jane's is a band I've never gotten into. Really? That's so yeah. weird because they're like they're like That's the fun nice. version of Tool. Yeah. yeah. Like if Tool know. were sexy and fun and like <laughs> yeah, funky right. and like it's, it's but a though. lot of the tenants are the same because they also do like long grooves, kind of psychedelic mm-hmm. thing. And they're also very much like an art rock. Like they, they hit all the art rock tropes. And there's you know? that like heaviness, that Sabbath influence. It's very riffy. Yeah, they're yeah. they're kind of like a metal band that's fun. <laughs> right. There's a lot in common with heavy metal, but they were they were not not committed to the sort of like straightness of it a more fluid mm-hmm. thing but they have riffs they have solos mm-hmm. they fucking rock you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny like I, I feel like i was such like a i think like when i started getting into tool like i was saying before you know i was really into like portishead bjork like radiohead you know bands that are just not fun at all and yeah. like so so i think like my gateway in was like i was like Oh man, this band means business. Like they're like a serious <laughs> band. So like I, I think that was like part of the allure for me. But one of the biggest calling cards to Tool's music is Maynard's voice, which I can't stand. But I know a, that's a that's you know when you hear the voice, you know oh this is a tool. It's so recognizable, so recognizable. How would you describe it? I think, I think he's kind of like the, you know, if you listen to Undertow and like opiate he's kind of doing like a danzig impression like a little bit but he kind of has that like um that like tom yorkie kind of like pure mm-hmm. kind of like high voice a little bit mm-hmm. so i think it's like a mix between those two i think he's kind of like like a like a high voiced arena singer like uh steve perry from journey or something like <laughs> that it's like a, a soaring like falsetto using he goes really big you Freddie know mercury Oh, that's, that's, that's rough. <laughs> you know, I, I remember, you know, like talking with friends growing up and being like, you know, who's a better singer, Tom York, Jeff Buckley or Maynard, uh, <laughs> like, uh, kind of like putting him in like the same conversation. Man. But like, um, yeah, like I think there's like a muscular, like Chris Cornell, I guess. Yeah. yeah like that kind of, uh, yeah. There's you this know, like, um, like, it's the, like like the rock whaler. He like he's got a whale to it. But or, or voice like, is much thinner and Chris Cornell's is so. No, he doesn't huge. have the he doesn't. He has no soul. Yeah. <laughs> he does not. There's no like, there's no set like, like, you know, it's like when, when you get like from, from something like Little Richard to something like yeah, Maynard yeah. James <laughs> Keenan, you've really like taken away all that kind of element um, of that sort of earthy, like, um, you know, natural, like singing. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine and being like, well, yeah, like. Or Mike Patton, I guess yeah, would be a right, good yeah, analog Mike or Patton's, whatever. Mike yeah. Patton's like a good, yeah. but like, um being like oh man like 
you know, Maynard can holds that note in eulogy for like 30 seconds, you know, like kind of having that like, whoa, it's like, it's like, whoa, like kind of like a competition between singers yeah. kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. That's like a funny thing that no one talks about anymore. Like, oh, this singer's better than that. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. no my, dad, my dad could beat up your dad. not sing anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing I was thinking about, um, because Tool started out um, in the, I think probably the late 80s even, right? Late 80s, early 90s. But maybe in part because they took so long between records, they really spanned generations. And by the time they were putting out their later records, the sort of alternative scene was a little different. And I think of them as part of like, like a holy trinity of like experimental alternative music or, or alternative metal. And for me, the other two I think are like wildly successful at what they achieve in tool. I don't know so much. So you have tool and they are attempting to go into the prog aspect of that. And then you have the Deftones who are trying to go into the shoegaze aspect of this. And then lastly, you have nine inch nails who are trying to go into electronic music. And we talked about this in other episodes. The thing that both Deftones and Nine Inch Nails have that I feel like Tool lacks is an emotional honesty. Or as you t- talk about, Jamie, like there's something romantic about it. Even if it's heavy and aggressive, there's a sort of like, you know, there's plenty of songs about being heartbroken or even the songs that are political. Like you said, Maynard's a little soulless. These other guys seem like. They're more People, impassioned, right. in a, in a, or, or they're accessible. Not, not that Maynard's not passionate, but it's, uh, as a protagonist, are you relatable? Right. And Maynard rocks sometimes, but he is not. He's not looking to the listener and trying to like relate to him. He thinks the listener's kind of an idiot. Yeah, and right. he's not even you really know. trying to connect to the degree that yeah. you're describing. In concerts, they're they're one of these bands that will be purposefully antagonistic. He will be as far from the crowd as he can. He will obscure himself sometimes entirely as opposed to a band like Deftones or Nine Inch Nails where the connection to the listener and the audience becomes like borderline romantic. There are certainly like fans who are very devoted to Tool, but they're devoted because they love the songs or the guitars. A lot of the people who are devoted to Nine Inch Nails or maybe even Deftones back in their day are like, feel like, this guy gets me. You're writing in your diary about this. I was was watching a clip. I was like, oh man, like a lot of my friends are like listening to the Deftones again. And I was like, I'm going to check them out. And Chino just comes out in like, a kung fu outfit <laughs> and was like get the fuck up like, like, uh-huh. and I was like yeah I mean each of these bands have their moments that like really have an age well there's, I mean there's plenty of moments in the Deftones catalog too that's like this is not that far off from Limp Bizkit they, they, they had a turntable player right they, yeah for them um, yeah they yeah. did and there's songs that where they really do like they go into that full on new metal thing but I mean all these bands you know if you're a band long enough you're going to have some like sort of embarrassing moments. Yeah, you're going to have some growing pains. You're going to have some stuff that that's a little bit, you know, passé, but that was their truth. <laughs> <laughs> they were living as they were living the truth. That's what the kids saying now. I think we covered a lot of stuff. <laughs> Pat King, thank you so much for being yeah, here. Thanks, guys. Hell yeah. People can check out your music at labradorbk.bandcamp.com. That's right. And the record is called A Safe Distance from a Visit. Yep. And you recorded the record's basically you. Yeah, me and my friend Chris Hayes, who that that's pretty much like Labrador the band is pretty much like us two. Mm-hmm. And then right now we're playing we're gonna record a new record in winter 
in the winter, but like, um, it's going to be like a much more fleshed out band. Mm-hmm. There's like violin and right. Cause now you're playing, when you're playing shows, you have like a full band. Yeah. Yeah. The band is great. We had a great show recently. Yeah, yeah. man. Labrador, the band rocking. Thanks for listening to what is goat. I'm John Severin Napololo. I'm Jamie Fry. 